Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? We are back this week for another episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. All right, everybody. This is going to be an epic episode. We're talking serial entrepreneur, has sold a couple of businesses, is a podcast host, is growing businesses now. He, he really has a lot of knowledge and experience in people, leadership, sales, um, all sides of business. Is going to speak to everybody out there listening. He is the co-host of the Profitable Cleaner podcast. He's a partner in Power Placing a Business. He and one of our previous guests on the podcast, Angel, they work together. They're business partners. James Harper, man, welcome to the podcast. Man, Hell of an introduction, man. I'm super excited to be here and looking forward to talking shop today. Man, it's going to be fun. I'm excited too. You you come from a background of being a serial entrepreneur, business owner. You've not only, I mean, it's one thing to grow businesses or multiple businesses. Another when you have exit strategies and you've and and you've sold businesses and you're able to keep doing it and you know, for some people, come back for more punishment. You know, so I, I love that, <laughs> man. I, I I want to kick off. For the audience, just let's learn a little bit more about you. Tell us just a real quick story of how you got here, why you're currently in this business and doing what you're doing. What was your previous business history? Just dive us in. Give us a little background, man. Yeah, cool, man. I always like to introduce myself as being a connector, an initiator, and a provider. I think those are really the core pillars of who I am and what really has led me uh, in business. And a lot of that has developed through business. Uh, like you mentioned, man, serial entrepreneur, basically long story short, uh, 12 years ago, I got sick of working for other people and kind of just by the grace of God, got propelled into starting my own business. At the time, it was a marketing agency. Uh, that's really when like digital marketing was seeing a boom. And uh, I got my ass kicked, man. I got punched <laughs> in the face. I uh I was pretty much a glorified freelancer, became business partners with my best friend. We grew it, a small shop, man, two employees, and then a, a company in good old Nashville, Tennessee, about four years in, um, made us an offer that we couldn't walk away from, which was awesome. Um, coinciding with that, I'm in Denver, Colorado, so cannabis business is big out here. Um, and we had one of the first ever CBD companies actually in Denver, Colorado, CBD now is a very, uh, very known thing. But at the time people, people looked at it like snake oil and, and we were one of the first here. So we, had, we had a, we had a small CBD company and, uh, again, man, actually someone in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, your home state there, uh, reached out to us and, and we were, we were able to sell that. And then. Long story short, man, I, I, I give really glory to uh, to the people I've been able to work with and glory to God, of course, but that uh, propelled me into uh, really finding out what I was good at, man. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs start something out of necessity, out of survival, and maybe that's what they're doing in that moment, so therefore they believe that's what they're good at. But as you grow and you get more experience and you gain more connections, you figure out what you're truly good at. and my my specialty is really connecting with people. It's it's hopefully being able to lead people to be a better version of themselves, which will create a better business of themselves. And that's what we're doing now, man. Our team's virtual, based in Nicaragua. 
um, was able to to connect with people in a different country. That's why the internet's awesome, right? We're in two different states right now and figure out ways how we could set up virtual talent in a different country to accelerate business owners, whether that be sales, recruiting, marketing, um, and and lead and develop those teams, man. So it's been an awesome ride. Man, that's awesome. I love hearing stories too, where you're able to get creative and and just create a win for everybody because you're able to you're able to create a win for for your employees and your staff in Nicaragua. Um, they're able to make more money than they can locally. You're able to create a price point and a product for your customers that's a win, and for you guys as the business and business owners. So that's that's super cool that you're able to do that and be able to yeah you utilize the technology and resources we have now. Um, going back, I, interestingly enough, I owned a marketing company for a while and and kind of got our our ass kicked by it too. Um, that was a that's tough, man. I, I we had a staff of anywhere between five and ten people um, on the agency that I owned, and it's just hard to figure out that model. It, it's a it, it's a challenge, and we we. We just were never able to grow it uh, like we wanted to or get it as profitable as we wanted to. We <laughs> ended up selling it twice. Um, uh, oh, wow. Uh, uh, bought it, owned it with a couple of friends of mine. Um, ended up selling it back to the one of the people we bought it from, but then that we stayed on for a percentage ownership and then ended up selling it to somebody else, um, uh, I don't know, a year or so later. And, and so that's a I, I, hats off to anybody that's been in that marketing agency world um and and it's been able to be successful there or just figure it out and be able to how to manage it and get out of it um but looking back on that on, on the marketing company and the cbd side you know you're you're at a different phase of life now and obviously things have changed a lot in both of those worlds do you regret exiting or selling and either, do you wish on either of those you to you to stayed in or you to kept those businesses Absolutely not, man. That's a great question. Uh, I don't think anyone should ever live with regret with business decisions being made. I really am a firm believer that everything does happen for a reason. So whether you sell, you don't sell, make a good decision, bad decision, um, it's leading to a different door and a different path opening for you. Um, hey, listen, selling my marketing agency changed my life. That So that was, by all intents and purposes, a great decision. I can look back and try to get pragmatic about should we have sold the CBD company because that was before the boom. Yeah. But, you know, uh, in many ways, once the boom hit, prices went down, competition leveled up. It was a whole different game. So I think if, you know, and let me just be clear, all my exits in business have been pretty small. It's not like I'm some multimillionaire, right? But like they've been lucrative and they've been profitable for me, which it was able to propel me into a different lifestyle. But when you hear business acquisition, I think people all, all automatically think multimillion dollar exits, right? That was not the case for me. But I, I, I've told this to other people, man, hey, a quarter million dollars cash in your pocket tomorrow can change your life to open up a door to do something new. So I have no regrets, man. To me, it was just a blessing and the experience gained along the way, man, has been invaluable. I, I love it, man. That's awesome. And and being able to look back and see all the, not not look at, hey, what I might have missed out on, but all the positives behind the timing and what it propelled me, I think that's huge. And I do think, you know, I think a lot of business owners, they should consider 
if something's not a great fit or it doesn't feel right, I do think an, an early exit strategy is awesome. I know tons of business owners, me included. I've sold businesses for 150 grand. I've sold businesses for 400 grand. I've sold businesses for you know a few million bucks. But honestly, those that an exit strategy that puts 300 grand in my pocket creates so much financial freedom and so much flexibility to be able to leverage and invest in other places. Take what I what I learned, what I did and didn't like, or now what I know and, and some excess capital to be able to have the freedom and the money to do something different is a game is life changing. And so I I love the fact that you recognize, hey, that those regardless of what we might have left on the table or what could have happened, like those are really awesome life changing decisions. Um, how did you pick, how did you end up? where you're at now? How did you end up with Angel? Why this industry? How did you get here? It's, uh, again, man, it's kind of just like one of those stories of of irony and God working his thing. So I, I did a lot of marketing for crime scene cleanup companies, very specific niche. If you're listening to this oh, and you run great. a marketing agency, pick a niche. Great That's my business. only advice for agencies. Yeah. Uh, so when we sold the company, all these crime scene cleanup guys reached out to me and wanted me to come work for them and said, hey, we have these janitorial companies on the side. Uh, can you can you do some sort of marketing for our janitorial companies or do you want to come work for us? And I didn't want to work with anyone uh, or work for anyone, but I wanted to work with these people, right? And I was really specific, uh, specifically interested in janitorial at the time, it's less marketing and it's more sales heavy. And through having our agency, I learned that I love sales. I love the outbound. I love the cold prospecting. I love the entire sales cycle. Um, just fell in love with it. So client here in Denver, my, my hometown said, hey, let's get creative and try something. So I said, okay, let me figure this out. I was literally the one doing the cold calling, the LinkedIn outreach, and we were seeing traction with it. But then I had all these other companies in the same space wanting that service. And I was like, okay, there's only one of me. How, how can I how can I duplicate this system and this process? Uh, how can and then how can we monetize it? So, you know, started working with people virtually. Uh started in India, went to uh Belize, and then long story short, ended up in Nicaragua. And one day I posted in a Facebook group, someone's like, who who has the most niche business uh, in sales. It was a sales Facebook group here. And I said, well, I used to do sales for crime scene cleanup. This is what I'm doing now. Angel saw that. And Angel <laughs> cold, cold DM'd me. So funny you actually bring this up, man. He cold DM'd me about three and a half years ago. I never responded to him because he looked like he was an 18-year-old kid uh, on his Facebook profile. He's And if he was here, he'd laugh. And this guy, he, I'm not even exaggerating. He sent me 11 messages before I finally responded. And my wife finally said, hey, you appreciate a good sales follow-up, someone that's persistent. Give this kid a chance. That's what she said, because we thought he was 18, right? He, he's not 18. <laughs> he's, he's 29, right? He just looks great for his age. So it was a Sunday afternoon. My son was, my second son was just born, literally seven days old. I'm tired as shit. And I take this call not wanting to, but I took this call and I don't remember what was said on the call, but I come back in and my wife goes, so how was it? I said, surprisingly, and went really well. Long story short, I uh, ended up hiring Angel, this guy that was younger than me to be my sales coach because I connected with his philosophy and his principles so much. 
and we worked together. He was kind of coaching me for a few months, and then I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. I said, hey, man, I can pay you half of what you're making now, but you can work virtual, and we can make some cool stuff together. <laughs> are, are you willing to take a risk? And so he said, yeah. He wanted to kind of get more into the entrepreneurial space. He took half, half of – he literally cut his pay in half and ran with me. Uh, we started building this sales agency, totally outbound focus and janitorial. We scaled up, we crashed and burned, got our ass kicked, scaled up again, crashed and burned, got our ass kicked. And, you know, finally started learning some lessons along the way. A uh, year and a half ago, he became 50% equity partner. And, uh, you know what? He's my foxhole brother, man. There's some people you want to go to yeah. war with and, I love uh, it. And uh, he he's my foxhole brother, man. So we we've we've been in the trenches together, and uh, I'm blessed to have a partner like him. Man, that's super cool. That how that all transpired, and just the persistent side of him following up. The also the the grit and the the resilience for you guys to like get crushed and come back, and get crushed and come back, and so many people, especially somebody with as diverse of a background as you guys probably would have left after you got crushed the first time and not had the 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 resilience to really or the grit to see this thing through or think hey did you know the whole time hey we're onto something here we just got to figure it out and keep keep you know chugging along and trial and error or did you yeah you know, what why didn't you why didn't you guys pivot to something else it's a good question man i always i still feel like we're on to something and we don't know what that is <laughs> so like I don't, I, I always feel like you're chasing something. And I've learned that like the, the journey is often much better than the destination. And I don't think we can view business as a destination. Like we've ever arrived, like what type of game are we playing here? Is it a finite game or an infinite game? And I just always felt like we were playing the long term. We have the saying, think profit versus paycheck. And what we mean by that is think long term versus short term. And this business I am got still in that, by the way, profit versus it, paycheck. That is one yeah. of the most brilliant things I have ever heard. You are speaking that for it, account man. it, man. That is like that lit me up. So yeah, it's and it's a hard, it's a hard game to play. But if you start thinking long term versus short term, that profit, that payout, that reward, whatever that is, versus the immediate. Um, you start to act and move differently. So when you're in the mud, you're getting you're fielding the punches in business. You just say, good. This is part of the process. This is how it should be. So like, and we also have like the saying like amongst each other as leaders of the company, like when we lose a client or we're having troubles with an employee or cash flows low, it doesn't matter what's happening. We say, good. We just signed on five new clients this month. Good. We just lost five new clients. Good. This is just part of the process. And when you develop that mentality of neutrality and just like, good, this is how it should be right now. Like, man, you feel unstoppable. Uh, man, I love that. That's awesome. I want to take it back for a second. You, you, you hit on this and man, I, this is probably the biggest lesson I wish I would have learned or would have listened to 20 years ago in business. You said, you know, for, from coming from the marketing agency side and coming from your experience, like niching down 
figuring out some sort of way to really get a niche business is the difference in success or not. I, I mean, we could talk about that for an entire episode. I, 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 with what I do with a tax and accounting firm, the, the awesome thing about uh, what I get to see is I get exposed to hundreds of businesses a year that I get to see whether they succeed or fail or behind the scenes, the numbers of what works, the, the sheer like experience I get just through exposure is better than any MBA program that could ever exist out there. It's amazing. But what it's taught me, and man, I just failed to recognize it for my, me personally over the years is mo- pretty much all of the successful or highly profitable businesses that I'm exposed to are in some sort of really niche category or industry. Um, I ran a business a firm for 22 years. I sold last year that we tried to do everything for everybody. And yeah, uh, I mean, we grew something huge, but it almost killed us. And, and it was financially successful, but it was just because we had one hell of a big top line and, you know, the profit margins wasn't anything to, you know, to write home about now, we have a very niche model inside of what we do, and I serve a tenth of the amount of customers I used to. We we serve this same type of customers. We speak the same language, and so business is way easier. We work um, uh, a lot less. We're way less stressed, and we're making way more money. And so it's amazing how – and pro- honestly, we should probably niche down even more. I could probably yeah. get 10 times even further down that funnel – but yesterday, uh, somebody called yesterday. They were a real estate agent for churches. That, that's that's all they do. Or, you know, I have clients that they just get so specific. But God, the the, the market's small, but the margins and the expertise is really high. So I, I'm interested to hear a little more from your side of why you believe that, or why why what you experienced on that piece of it. So this is how I would put it in perspective. I'm going to broaden it start broad and then go narrow with you okay so like uh-huh. uh, of course i i originally heard niches are in the riches everyone's yes. heard that right yeah. and i i like that saying maybe just because it rhymes but ultimately when i was early on in business i was approaching business from a scarcity mindset like no like what if i niche down and i miss out on business in this other category or other industry or whatnot right so my my first business, we we did everything. We serviced anyone and everyone and did everything. And like I said, we got our ass kicked. It was a grind. Now, was it ultimately successful? Yes, but it could have been easier. Um, so then coming into this business, we didn't originally plan on niching. It was like, you know, when you're being called, you you can either pick up the phone and answer or you can ignore it. It felt like we were being called to the janitorial facility management space. So we picked up that call and man, what happened was, is you realize there's a learning curve in business in general, especially when you're servicing new industry, but that learning curve gets smaller and smaller and smaller, the more clients you service with that industry. And then that learning curve all of a sudden goes the opposite. And now you're educating, you're educating, you're educating the next batch of clients I also want to say this, you niche, not just an industry, you niche with services and processes and people as well. So like, even like us right now, we're revising our service offering to be one service, one onboard, one process, one price, one profitability level. It's predictable. And then we can take that. And over time, once you dominate a niche, 
you can then add subcategories to that industry. Like with janitorial, we can do residential. With residential, we could do lawn care. Like, but that comes with time. So the narrower you start, actually, you can broaden up a lot easier versus going broad and narrow. Oh man, I 100% agree so much with that. I think our listeners should definitely pay attention to this because the people side and the process side is what made it. It wasn't. It it does make it so much easier to market, and you, it's so much easier to become an expert in an area when it's really just such so funneled down, and and you know how to speak to your customer, you know who your avatar is. But for us, I mean, same thing, man. We were doing everything for everybody. We had I grew it to forty four hundred clients. It was insane. But guess what? We were doing low income, high income, business, individual, retired people, nonprofits. Um, estates, trust, payroll, accounting, sales tax, you name it. If it was in any sort of tax or accounting space, come on, we'll take you. This is awesome. Let's grow. But what happened, we couldn't have the same onboarding or the same process or the same system because we had such a drastically different set of clients that had different needs. And then our staff, we, we, we were having to know how to serve so many different people in so many different ways. It would take me almost two years to train somebody. So yeah. at a at a 50% retention rate, that put me in four-year process of taking somebody from higher on average to be able to serve in clients. And I'm like, this is exactly. insane. We have just built a monster. And so when you're able to really funnel and niche that down, everything becomes easier. God, it's a, the people, especially of systematizing, training, hiring, onboarding. Everybody feels like, you know, you're all connected all the way around. So I, man, I love that so much. And I, I mean, I've got one client, they do, they just don't do construction. They do sheetrock only for dentist offices. And so, nice. like, and they freaking crush they it. They kill it. Yeah. I mean, they crush it. They got like a three year backlog of work. It's insane. So, it's really, really awesome. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, y'all figured out, you know, how to utilize resources and things outside of the US. Um, things have changed a lot um, for, with technology, with training, with hiring, with virtual assistants over the years and virtual staffing. Do you think at this point every small business owner should hire or outsource um, outside of the U.S.? Is that only for certain types of people or business? What should people know before they do that? What are just tell us a little bit about that's such a foreign concept I think for so many small business owners. Guide us and educate us a little bit there. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I think every almost every business can benefit from having a virtual employee of some sort. Now, similar to like what digital marketing was 12, 15 years ago, it's still a little bit of the wild west when you're hiring virtually. You hear about like VAs, virtual assistants, changing businesses overnight. You hear about the get rich quick stories. And then you can hear about the horror stories. And let me tell you, all of them are true in their own ways. <laughs> if you are considering hiring virtually, there's a few key things every business owner should know. That's One, great. I don't use I don't use the term VA. Virtual assistant, I think, is a BS term. We use the term virtual talent, and let me tell you why. I'm not I'm actually not huge on titles, but when I think of a VA, and I think most people, they say, here's a virtual person that can do a spreadsheet complete my tasks, free up time, I'm good, right? 
Yes, ultimately that can be done, but the biggest mistakes we see companies make is when they hire virtually, they expect a task doer with no training, with no leadership, with no guidance. The truth is we're still hiring people, and often you're hiring people in a less advantageous country that has less opportunity that you need to help develop, guide, and lead along the way. Leadership still matters, whether it's virtual, in-person, side-by-side, doesn't matter. We have to lead these people on a personal level, develop them professionally, and give them the appropriate training. A lot of people just say, hey, I'm going to hire a VA for four bucks an hour in the Philippines. They're going to solve my problems. It doesn't work. The virtual assistant world doesn't work. No, you have to be able to lead them. You have to have training and development, and you have to make them part of their team. The biggest thing we get is when we place uh, a virtual person within a company and they get the company's email and we we kind of help guide a lot of these business owners along the way and say, hey, introduce them to your team. Put them on your team Zoom call. Uh, send a company-wide email welcoming them. When that happens, we get responses from the people that we place in Nicaragua saying, I've never even seen a U.S. client's face on a Zoom sc- screen. And here they are. They gave me a company email. They're sharing company goals with me. They just acknowledged my birthday. Again, just like you would do with anyone in your own office, right? And then what happens when you just do these simple principles of connecting with people? They go to war for you. They're loyal. They will work harder than anyone in your company. They will be so dedicated because, one, they're getting the most pay they've ever had, typically, in U.S. US dollars. They're working remote. They're getting great leadership and they feel a part of something. You probably just built your most loyal employee and it was only because you were intentional about it. So I think if anyone's listening to this, thinking about hiring virtually, you have to look at it as actually hiring somebody, not just a VA. Man, that's, I'm reflecting on what you said because I'm making a lot of mistakes in that piece of it, I, I'm, uh, we, in general, I struggle with, with that part of, I'm, I'm a lot more of a doer than a mentor or a, or a leader in a lot of cases with our staff. And, and we've got virtual staff. One is in, in the Dakotas and one is in the Philippines and they are awesome and amazing and they crush it. But I do not involve them in a lot of stuff weekly or do not necessarily harness on the same level we do our in-house employees. And we don't do a great job with that either, but it's uh we need to be way more intentional on including them in things and bringing them in as part of the team. So that's, that's good for me to hear. Um, I, I have not thought about it in that way that they're so good right now with the little bit of training and the little bit of development and, and, and work we put into to helping work, teach and work together. So that's that's good advice there, man. That's really good. Now, now ask yourself too if you maybe two x your time with them, even up front, they probably two x three x their output. They, right? they, they would because their commitment. I mean, honestly, their commitment is a tremendously higher level than we're seeing here in town or in house. Our our entire team is awesome. Everybody here is amazing. But I mean, uh, our accountant CPA in the Philippines. She had a baby um, second week of November. She wanted to take like three days off. I mean, it was insane. I'm like, absolutely. 
absolutely not. Like we got to give you way more time off. And so just the level of like commitment and expectation on, on their end is, is, is next level. And, and yeah, if we, if we commit and, and willing to spend time and effort and energy there, it'll, it'll be the best, best people on our team. I a hundred percent agree with that. Absolutely, man. No, listen, I, I, we, we learn these principles through trial and error. I'm not, I'm sitting here preaching because, uh, we've done everything wrong that you can do wrong. And then we've had to realize if we want to do something right, we got to do complete opposite of what we once did. All right. So I'm going to completely switch gears and go a different direction with you on a question here. We are recording this right now. We're kind of mid-December, getting into holiday time, crazy time for some people, slowing down for some people. But 2024 is on the horizon. Um, for you, how do you approach the new year? Are you some stretch goal setter? Are you putting a lot of tasks on the to-do list? Are you a, hey, I, I approached it a different way or I found success in, in going into the new year and, and with this sort of mindset? What's your what's your 2024 approach right now? Yeah, I've always been one of those guys. I remember being in elementary school and they talked about New Year's resolutions. I remember like, I literally remember being in like second grade learning about this. And I've always been a New Year's resolution guy. And so that's, I think, part of my DNA. And I do appreciate this time of year to kind of reflect on the last 12 months and think about the 12 months coming up. But that only gets you so far because I've been one of those New Year's resolution guys that, you know, start something and three weeks in, you know, I forgot that I even started it. So I had to put tactics to the theory. And there's a few things that I really like to do. One, I actually learned this from Angel. Uh, if you want to do something really interesting is record a voice note to yourself sometime between now and the new year and just talk about who you are right now, what you've done this year, where you're at in life and where you see your life going in the next 12 months. Even if you don't know, take a guess. And it'll be a seven, eight, nine, 10 minute voice recording. And then listen to that a year later. It's kind of, it's kind of cringy a little bit, but it's actually really amazing with how you, you sound like a different person and you realize we overestimate what we can do in a day, but underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And so that's like one tactic I always do between now and the end of the year, I'm going to send that voice recording uh, I'm going to get a reminder on my Slack to listen to the one from last year sometime in the next few weeks. It's going to be kind of a fun activity. If you're looking at revenue goals, if you're looking at money goals, if you're looking at weight loss goals, I got something that changed my life three years ago. You oh, talk let's about, do it. Yeah, man, I love this. I got hit with a Facebook ad talking about this. I don't know who it was. I just listened to that Facebook video and it changed my life. I should have bought whatever they were selling. It's MTO goals. If there's a numerical goal, that you have revenue, maybe it's income, maybe it's weight loss, whatever, maybe it's employee size, uh, break your goals down if there's a number attached to it into MTO. M stands for minimum. Have a minimum number. I want to lose minimum 15 pounds. I want to make minimum 150K income this year, whatever it is. Then you have a target. What's your actual target? You know what? I am going for 20 pounds of weight loss. I am going for $175,000 of income, right? And then have the O stands for outrageous. Have an outrageous goal, something that scares you. You're almost afraid to write down 
right? Like one of those goals, you're like, this will never happen. And so in that case, maybe it's, hey, I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year and I'm going to keep it off. I'm going to make $250,000 this year and I'm going to maintain it. I'm going to grow my company by 80% and it'll be sustainable, whatever it is. So you have MTO, minimum target outrageous. If you look at those and those numbers are important to you and you strive to hit that target, I have found two things to be true. You hit that target and typically you surpass that target and you either hit outrageous or you, you land in between the target and the outrageous goal. And you got to convey that to your team if this is a revenue goal. And my team this year knew exactly what we were going to do in revenue or what we wanted to do. And guess what? We surpassed it. Now, we surpassed it by $25,000, not much, but we hit our target. That's a win. 12 Love months it. ago, that would have been a win, right? So we're $25,000 above the win. Um, so I, I like to do the MTO goals, but I'll, I'll end with this, man. Goals are great. Habits are better. Yes. And yes. If, you just, if you just get up every day and do something and be consistent with it, you are going to outperform whatever you did the year before, even I if it's minuscule. Could not agree more. That has changed. Habits have changed my life more than any other visualization, any goals, any business strategy or model like habits showing up every day, consistently doing something over time. You are guaranteed to win. I don't, it may take six months. It may take six years. You will win. No doubt. By the way, the MTO goals is one of the most brilliant things I have ever heard on this podcast. Um, I didn't know there was a name for that. I didn't know that's what I was doing. And so whenever I go to buy a business or I, I go to start a new department of a business or make an investment in something, I lay out a best case, worst case, and expected scenario financially. Nice. And I'm like, I got to be good with all three of these before I buy that business or make this investment. I'm like, yeah. I know what I think is going to happen. Best case, if it blows up, am I good with that? Or can I afford the growth? Or worst case, if this thing goes in the tank, am I okay with that? Can I afford that? Can I make this happen? And so I do that kind of best case, worst case, expected scenario in a lot of things, but I didn't. I didn't know there was actually some terminology behind it and some like MTO goals behind it of, you know, minimum target and then outrageous. I, I love that. So, man, I'm going to carry that with me in a lot of different areas of things I do going into the new year. And, and yeah, the habits, man, that's, I don't know if, if anybody out there listening is looking at a way to change their life habits or, or where you do it, set, set goals, lay out the minimums. And, and I love when people say, don't set goals, set standards. I think that's where habits come mm -hmm. in is I'm setting right, a okay. standard and and committing to something that's a habit. And I think it'll change your life. Well, I, man, I don't, I don't even know how we do a max out moment after what you just shared with us. I mean, you just shared like epic max out moment information with the voice note, which I'm going to hundred percent do the MTO goals, the habits, but Hey, you're on the spot. You got you set the bar high. You, you you've dug your own hole here uh, for the max out moment. You got to bring something more to our audience. Um, if you leave right. them with one takeaway, um, if they don't remember anything else from this podcast um, as they go into this weekend, what's a tactic, a tip, a takeaway, a piece of advice, uh, man? What's your max out moment on the Stronger Business Podcast? 
I love the fact that you guys do this, man. And that's a, it's a hard question to answer, but I'm going to go to just what's on my heart right now. Uh, this last year, I've gotten the chance to become very close friends with uh, a former army ranger, Green Beret, been to, been to battle 14 times, man. Uh, the, the guy's just seen stuff we can't even imagine. And uh, just blessed to become friends with this guy. And I've learned a lot from his mindset. And and I'm going to wrap this all into one. So when you're in ranger school, and he spoke about this at our event that we host every year, when you're in ranger school, they learn about a ranger that had passed away. Like all, like you learn everything about that ranger that they'll never get to meet. But they talk about the power of one more. I know Ed Milet has talked about this and all this, but this is like embedded in the ranger training and DNA. And so like, when you are in the gym and you're doing 10 curls, whatever Rangers set standard is to do 10 reps or to run two miles, they always run an additional for that person that passed away, that Ranger that passed oh, away. So he said, man. you need you need to connect this to in your life to maybe it's someone that can't do something anymore. Maybe it's for your children. Maybe it's for your wife. Maybe it's just for yourself to prove. And always do one more so like the last few months that i've heard this i'll do one more of something maybe i'll make one more call maybe i'll stay five more minutes and try to respond to one more email and i'm gonna leave you with a word that's shaking me it's it we've all used this word it's it's endure endure what are we enduring and when we endure something at the end of it we feel freaking great like think about a crazy workout. Like you're running, you're sprinting, your lungs are on fire. You feel like you have nothing left. And then as soon as you complete it, you're sweating and your heartbeat's going, but you feel good, right? And it's because we extracted ourselves. We endured something. We overcame something that was so hard in that moment that it actually brought a reward. So I, I, I would encourage anyone, if you're thinking about a max out moment, how much more can you endure? And I bet you can endure one more moment. And if man. you start taking on that mentality, man, I mean, the Rangers have been doing this for 52 years or whatever, and they're badass. I want to be badass, right? So do one more, man, and endure that moment. And I promise you there's a reward. I love that. You can't be badass without doing hard things. You can't be badass without enduring. You can't be badass without doing more than what somebody else will do. That's what makes you badass. That's what makes you elite. And the whole, I love the connection to one more for somebody, for somebody that's not here anymore or for somebody that that does that can't do this or doesn't have this opportunity. That creates the why. That creates the, if I feel like crap, I'm a, heck of a lot better than somebody that's not here or that can't do this. I need to be grateful for being where I'm at and being able to overcome and do one more. And then, oh, how that connects. That's, woo, what an epic max out moment. Where do people find you at? How do they connect? How do they follow along? Um, how do they check you out from here, man? Yeah. Well, Chad, I just want to, I just want to thank you, man, for the opportunity to have this platform and hopefully you and your audience got something, man. Uh, uh, it sounds like I can learn a lot from you, man. So I just appreciate that, brother. Uh, if you guys are interested in connecting with me, I'm on LinkedIn, James Harper, but powerplacing.com or profitablecleaner.com. All of our socials and emails are linked there. So yeah, I'm pretty, I, like as Coach Prime says here in Colorado, I ain't hard to find, man. 
<laughs> Talk about an awesome thing to watch is Coach Prime doing his thing, man. It's hey, so, man, that guy's one. So that, one that guy's one hell of a leader. Oh, neon, Dion, man. I, I, I love oh, everything yeah, yeah. about him. <laughs> yeah, man, you, I forget that he's got the Georgia connection, man. Absolutely, man. Oh, that's so great. I love it so much, man. This, this is also. I can tell you, no joke. This, the timing of. You sharing this with me has changed how I'm going to approach 2024. I've learned so much. Like this, this is a life changing podcast for me. Um, guys, so much value for our listeners. I, I, man, I really appreciate your time being willing to share, talk business, share some of these tactics, tips, experience. It's huge, man. It really is. And, and you have insight in some things that's changed your life that's going to make a huge difference in all of ours. Um, would love to have you back sometime. Maybe have you and Angel together. We'll, we'll all yeah, do man. one together. Have a good time with it, man. For all you listeners out there, go follow James. Check out all they're doing. Go out this weekend. Get stronger. Put a lot of these things we talked about today in play. It will change your life. It will change your business. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.